Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So hello folks, and welcome along to the Day 4 Australian Open Tennis podcast. Matt and David are with me. Lots of fun happenings to discuss, but frankly, uh, all of it is hors d'oeuvres relative to the main course that is the Italian row between Fabio <laughs> Fanini and Salvatore Caruso. Just let me know, David, how far into this podcast it's acceptable for me to read the translated transcript of that row. How much tennis do we have to talk about before I can get into that? You see, I, I, I've just gone from thinking I'll just read it to actually, tell you what, let's put that at the end. That'll, that'll keep them <laughs> listening, won't, won't it? I won't be able to hang on till the end, but <laughs> um, we'll try and talk about some important tennis stories before I just burst and <laughs> st- st- start reading the transcript. How was your night and morning, Matt? Yeah, today went from the sublime to the ridiculous very quickly. Yesterday was amazing. Today was just a lot of fun. I mean, you've mentioned the Italian gestural rant. We haven't even talked about the woman in the crowd giving Nadal the middle finger, which was probably my highlight of the day. I mean, I cannot believe those words have just come out of my mouth. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, she had to get removed from the stadium if uh, if anybody's not aware of that happening. Um, Nadal had to uh, pause his service game while his own personal heckler got uh, got removed from the stadium and she refused to move and in the end he just went up to the umpire and goes, let's just carry on. <laughs> um, and in his press conference afterwards he was very funny about it and he said, I assume she was drinking gin or tequila. <laughs> 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 or both together, or both. several times. So. Yes. So, yeah, we'll be covering all of the ridiculous, um, some of the sublime, um, and I'll make sure we've got a good 15-minute portion of the podcast in which to cover the great uh, Italian job. But should we start? <laughs> <laughs> should we just start with, start with the exit of the defending women's champion, Sophia Kennan? She's out. She lost 6-3, 6-2 to Kaya Kanepi. Uh, that's a 13th top 10 win for Kanepi and an 8th in a slam. Um, 
and look, any anybody anybody can lose to to Kaya Kanepi. Those stats say that. Um, there was a really interesting line from Darren Cahill in the uh, ESPN coverage. He said, every time we turn up at a tournament, especially a major, Simona asks me, where's Kanepi in the draw? <laughs> um, you know, which is just an indicator. of. I know Halep has a particular history of losing Kanepi and Snabs, but it's an indicator of how dangerous she can be for those top players. But it was more about the nature of the defeat, really, for... Sophia Kennan from our Twitter feed um, overnight while this was happening. I think it was during Andrew's shift. He said, Kanepi was always in with a chance against Kennan, but I'm surprised by how it's happening. Kennan is spraying balls and showing none of her trademark fighting spirit. And that was what was most notable for me. There, there was, yeah, there was none of that defiance, fighting spirit, feistiness. Um, I've put here, will Kennan be relieved that that title defence is over? And, you know, she was very emotional, very, very emotional in the press conference afterwards. She was teary and she said, I know I couldn't really handle the pressure. I'm not used to this. So I just, I've just, i just got to figure out how to play at that level that I played at. I think she means last year because today it just hasn't been there. Um, mm. And, you know... It echoes how Muguruza talked about defending her first Grand Slam title at the French Open in 2017. She expressed relief at that being over, finally. And then she went on to win Wimbledon. I don't think this is catastrophe for Sophia Kennan yeah. that she she struggled with defending a Grand Slam title for the first time. It's just tough seeing her that that upset about it, I think. Yeah, and I I feel like... Some quite a few people are saying, "Why do you feel, Sophia Kennan, that all these eyes are on you and all these expectations are on you?" It's not really the case. Okay, you're the defending champion, but people are talking about Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka and all the other players. They're not really looking at you in the way you're making out. But that's not the point. She feels that people are looking at her whether it's happening or not she feels the pressure of being the champion and her expectations of what that means and that it's important that you back it up and she can't handle it at the moment and she did a brilliant job last year she got to the french open final which i thought was a great way of following up the australian open title but she definitely has an issue here she plays right on the edge all the time of her nerves, of her emotions, and she often cries. Now, we've often talked about how, well, it's not such a bad thing. You know, she gets the emotion out and she she seems, to, it just seems to be the thing she does, but not convinced actually that that's sustainable to be playing at that degree of emotion all the time. And, um, and it, it, it manifested itself as anxiety and kind of almost paralysis out there today. And, you can lose to Kaya Kanepi. You, that's okay. But to lose the manner in, in which she did was, yeah, it, 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 it reminded you of the other side to her. I mean, Matt's right. There's the trademark fighting spirit that we're used to. But, well, what about the six-love, six-love defeat to Victoria Azarenka? What about other losses like that where she just hasn't shown up and started spraying the ball all over the place? Um, so, yeah, no, it didn't feel that surprising, but... She's got some work to do on herself, I think. Yeah, I, I think there's a, 
I think there's a hint of imposter syndrome there. I think she wants to prove to people that her her winning the Australian Open wasn't a quirk and that the rest of her career won't be a regression to the mean. I mean, personally for me, I think she's done that by reaching the French Open final. But I get the impression that in her own mind, she hasn't. She yeah. she doesn't want to be Thomas Johansson. She doesn't want to be talked about as a Thomas Johansson. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's a feature of how she's feeling at the moment. Yeah. I also think we can't underestimate just how much her life has changed in the last year. When we looked back on 2020, I think you said something, Catherine, that really struck me, that Kenin's life changed as the world changed. And it's difficult enough to get to grips with being a Grand Slam champion, but to get to grips with being a new Grand Slam champion when you can't live a normal life and you can't back that up on the tour. She, you know, she suddenly had a break and all this time to sit on being a Grand Slam champion. And as you've said, that run to the French Open final felt incredible that she managed to do that, given the way she was playing, given how she was feeling and talking during that tournament. To me, this doesn't feel like a huge upset, as as you've said, not least because it's Kanepi, but also because she's going back to defend the title and it just feels so different I'm sure it's it's not a usual build up to defending a grand slam title and yet she's got all these expectations of herself as you've said that she wants to belong and there's a lot going on there's a lot for her to figure out and I think she'll get there I just think this is a this is a tricky period for her and it's it's sad to see her so sad in her press conference but I wasn't surprised by this result. I, I must say, it's one of those upsets that you could see coming. It's um, mm. she's got a long career yeah, ahead no, of her, Kenin. She'll be none right. of us uh, picked it as our prediction. No, no. And some of us definitely should have done. <laughs> All uh, actually, one, one of the other, one of the others did, didn't they? Yes, Rio with a Y went for it. Uh, that dog, annoying. Honestly. <laughs> Ke- by the way, can I just say on Kanepi? Um, um, she. I hope this doesn't sound unkind, but she, when I look at her and I look at her results and the manner in which she beats top players, I think of a James Bond villain's contract killer who's just been hired and looks as though there's n- James Bond has got no chance of getting <laughs> out of this thing alive, right, this whole, this whole film. Uh, and that's what it feels like with with Kanepi in these tournaments. You see her beat the top player and get that early win, and you think, well, how come she's not going to go all the way through the tournament and win it? But mm-hmm. you know, James Bond wins in the end, and um, and I kind of feel, yeah, I, I kind of feel that there's I don't I don't know what the limitations are. I mean, she's 35 years of age, but I mean the 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 physique that she has, the strength, the power. I mean, she 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 overwhelmed. Arena Sabalenka the other day, for goodness sake. <laughs> you know, who, do, who does that? Um, and she does it so quietly and she does these post-match interviews on court and they're a bit awkward, you know, because she sort of stops mid-sentence, it feels like, and, and then just walks off and, and just goes and beats another top 10 player the next time. I do, I do enjoy watching her. She plays Donna Vekic next. So one of those two will get a place in the fourth round. Ash Barty... Uh, she was second on the Rod Laver Arena last night. Uh, a straight sets victory for her over countrywoman Daria Gavrilova, but a far from straightforward one. Um, her left thigh was heavily strapped. Uh, she said in her 
on-court interview with Casey Delacroix afterwards. Yeah, it's not it's not very subtle, is it? This injury, because <laughs> um, it was heavy strapping. She says that the the bandage is actually just there to keep the strapping in place. Mm. But I don't know. That doesn't sound that convincing to me. There were a lot of errors from from Ash Barty last I night. Say, I mean, you were up, weren't you? I, I wasn't up for that. Yeah. Yeah, particularly on the backhand side in that second set. And look, that was because Gavrilova saw that she was really struggling on that backhand side and was just hitting every ball to the backhand, which was a smart thing to do. But the errors did keep coming. She Every time it looked like she was in control, Barty, and she'd play a few absolute dream points where she looks you know, smooth and in control and that forehand just looks absolutely world beating where she has that depth and power but also this incredible margin on it because of the the spin she applies to the ball but then there'd be a rash of errors and it would suddenly look really precarious um and i i really wasn't expecting that from ash barty look she's still got a straight set victory she seemed in in decent spirits after the match um she plays alexandrova now but it it's 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 a bit bizarre given she only lost 10 points the previous match. We've not had any hints at an injury before now. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a concern for the world number one. Was her movement in any way compromised or or was it tough to say? I saw I saw Davrilo, uh, Davrilova, Gavrilova tweet that they brought out the worst in each other, which I thought was funny, but... A slightly harsh assessment of the match, or was that a great or was that fair? <laughs> it was is. it really bad? Look, she didn't. There wasn't anything obviously up with the movement. It could have been, you know, ordinarily she'd want to to run around the backhand as much as possible, and she was she was hitting more backhands than you would normally see her hit, um, and that shot did get exposed. So perhaps I. I find it very difficult to judge movement mm. on on the screen quite honestly. I usually need a bit of help from a commentator that's that's there. Um when you're physically seeing it in front of you it, it's it's far easier. So I I don't feel that confident saying there was an issue because there's certainly I I think I could tell if there's something glaring but there wasn't anything glaring mm. for me. And and she's certainly played it down I mean I think she would do that that is that is very much her style but she said fit as a fiddle didn't she and she did let's hope that there mm. isn't a serious issue there mm. Carolina Pliskova uh, Matt and I both watched this match I was just up late Matt woke up for this match which was a call Matt that was definitely a, a call I'm not saying it was you know it wasn't rubbish but it wasn't set your alarm unmissable <laughs> I would say um, Matt just watches all the tennis, Catherine. You know this. <laughs> uh, Pliskova beat Collins in straight sets. That's just the second time since um, tennis restarted that Pliskova has won consecutive matches. Um, she plays Karolina Mukova next, who is her quarantine practice partner. Oh. We have not talked about Karolina Pliskova at all yet. Mm. Is it time to fall into the trap. <laughs> well, I don't feel like I've been in a trap at all, ever, really. I, I, I've tended to feel like she's not going to deliver at Grand Slams over the years. Over the last You're saying years. you've never predicted Karolina Pliskova 
to win or reach a final of a slam only to have her lose in the second or third round. You've Don't never fallen so. in that trap, David. Don't think so. Feel what about the run- French? What, what about the French Open a couple of years ago? Feel free to run the numbers, Catherine. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 um, I don't think I have. I mean, what I actually think. I mean, I, it's an interesting match, her and Mukova. I'm, I'm interested in that one um, because she's a player that we, when we were lining up those players, that that group of players like Yastremska and all those sort of players that are below the top ten, who who's going to be the one to come through? I think a lot of I certainly thought she might be the one because of her variety. Um, but Pliskova coached by Sasha Bayan and yeah, I Nailed suppose be, being written off really by, by a lot more people now. I mean, she, the fact that she's not even in the conversation is, is different for sure. Uh, the, there's now an assumption that she won't make it and, and break through almost. Maybe that all is going to help her. Um, and that, that was a good win today, really, because that, it was Collins that beat her last week, wasn't it? Yes. Collins couldn't serve today. It was right. It was quite weird. I mean, Pliskova looked really good, but Collins really just couldn't serve. You've just reminded me of the very strange and funny pronunciation of Sasha Bayan I heard on the commentary, which was Sasha Bajan. <laughs> Like Azerbaijan, <laughs> but the human. Yes, but anyway, oh. that that did amuse me at <laughs> one o'clock I'm in the morning. I'm in no position to talk about anybody, but I feel like I've finally nailed it, and now I've got that to contend with. <laughs> Sorry, David. Um, yes, no, it, it was a strange match. I, I wasn't aware that Catherine was up at the same time as me, so I didn't message our whatsapp group at all and i think that probably reflects the match i think if it had been noteworthy i probably would have sent a message just to see if anyone was up and we could watch this together and yet it never had that feel that it was particularly noteworthy i thought pliskova was vulnerable in that first set there for the taking she broke twice and gave the break back straight away with double faults both times and yet collins was never convincing enough to take advantage of that as you said her serve In the first set, she wasn't getting it in. And in the second set, she started getting it in purely because she took a load of pace off it. And then Pliskova was able to pounce and break multiple times. Um, But yeah, it was was a strange feeling to be watching Pliskova and not knowing whether she's a contender. And uh, so early on in the day on a fairly empty Rod Laver arena, it just, it all felt quite odd. I would say Mm. if she can beat Mukova... We need to start talking about her. But that is a match that I feel is pretty 50-50 with Mukova's variety. I think she can cause Pliskova some problems that Collins wasn't really able to without her A game today. She can keep the ball low, can't Mm. she? Will the practice partner element make a difference, do you think? I I, I sometimes wonder whether Mukova might be worse off because of that Mm, junior check of the two. And having the more unorthodox game maybe that Pliskova could Mm. have a couple of weeks to get used to I mean to be honest I think they practice and know each other pretty well anyway so they're probably fairly used to each other's games they they played an epic at Wimbledon a couple of years ago which Mukova won deep in the third set I I remember that because I was hoping it was going to be the first tie break at 12 all and it didn't quite get there (laughs) (laughs) Mukova just managed to win before it, but um, 
Is that the match where Rebel Wilson was in the crowd? I thought that was at the US Open. She was she was there once at Wimbledon oh, really? as well, okay. I think. Yeah, possibly. And what's the relevance there? Well, Rebel, Rebel Wilson is an inexplicable <laughs> celebrity friend of Carolina Mukova's. Oh, right. Okay. Mm. What does Rebel Wilson do? She is an actress and comedian. Oh, we've had that conversation before. Mm. I've forgotten. Right. Yep. Yeah. Carry on. Uh, yeah, so I, I was watching that. I was flicking between that and the Benchich Kuznetsova match, which was on at the same time. Benchich won that. Kuznetsova had truly awesome bun going on in her hair. Very elaborate. Um, but unfortunately, she is out of the tournament, so you won't be seeing that again. Uh, Benchich now plays Elise Mertens. Um, no one's talking about her. She was in hard quarantine. Benchich. I remember a few seasons ago, she arrived in Australia, played the Hopman Cup, just looked like a dream. Mm. Um, and I was really expecting big things from her that Australian Open. I think she drew Venus Williams in the first round, um, won that match. And then she's sort of, she's not dropped out of the conversation altogether. She had the good run at the US Open, didn't she, a couple of years ago. But I didn't have her in my quarterfinal lineup. I don't know if any no. of you did. She just I, sort of I heard there. she'd been on a bad run or something recently, and I just sort of dismissed her when we came to doing the predictions. But she's such a talent and kind of not just racket talent, but court craft and understanding mm. of what to do that is kind of different to, I think, the vast majority of players on the tour in the way she goes about it. That if it clicks... I mean, I thought she might. I I wasn't too far away from from actually picking Kuznetsova for that match. I know it's close, but that was one of my considerations, and because I thought Benchich is vulnerable. But you know, maybe it'll, if it clicks, she she could be somebody else who could go in a few rounds. I don't know who she plays next, but Mertens, Elise Mertens, right? So Mertens, okay. Well, that's that's a good. I, I would watch that. That's a good match. Mm, very good. Silky smooth backhands. Mm. Mm. Uh, Jessica Pagula continues to maybe be a thing uh, she beats Sam Stoza for the loss of just one game she plays Christina Medenovic next she signed the ca- camera go Sabres, go Bills anyone want to explain that? yeah, Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Sabres yes, who, who are the Sabres? they're the hockey team ice hockey? yeah right. I think she did that because she likes um, our Twitterer Andrew who's a Buffalo Bills fan. Buffalo Bills fan. Mm. Does her dad own both the Sabres and the Bills? Oh, that's why she yes. did it. Yeah, I thought it was... <laughs> right. That's quite a lot of sports teams, isn't it? Yeah. What a what so, a portfolio. She doesn't need the loser's money. <laughs> She's all right. She um, doesn't need the winner's money. David, <laughs> Jennifer Brady defeated Madison Brengel 6-1-6-2. Yes, she did. The mix question mark. I mean, is that a joke? Of course she's in the mix. <laughs> you wouldn't be surprised if Jennifer Brady won this tournament. No, because she's got a real chance of getting to the final, given her draw. Real yeah. chance. You know, she's I, said, a, she, I said one. Semi-final, well, look, she's a semi-finalist at the US Open. She's in the better half of the draw. Ash Barty's injured, by the looks of it. Uh, so that's Jennifer Brady in the final, obviously. <laughs> and if you're in the final, you've only got to win the one match. So you're in the mix. Matt. Jennifer Brady, the mix or the little mix? Yes, the little mix is a proposal from a tennis podcast fans WhatsApp group that David Smith, who we gave a shout out to recently, has come up with. 
And I am fully on board with using the term little mix. Mm. I think I don't I don't understand it. I, it I think it's the favourites within the mix. Oh no, that's not how I interpreted it. I thought it was the not quite in the mix group. I thought it was your your rublevs. Yeah, I think you're right, Catherine. Come on, Matt, sort yourself out. You're, you're the one who should understand this <laughs> reference. No, I, I'm gonna have I don't to even disagree know with you are. based on the wording of. David's tweet, which I'm now trying to find. This is all eating into my Fabio Fanini, Salvatore Caruso <laughs> discussion time. So Hang on, give me... If we could settle this quickly. Give me a few seconds. Let him, let him find it and we'll talk about something else. Well, I... Okay. Uh, according to my definition... Here we go. A breakaway oh. crowd within the mix. Oh, crikey. But that doesn't make any sense. No. What's a breakaway I crowd? I mean, in the, in the men's, the mix is already like three people. We don't need to distill the mix. For, the mixes are, s- no. are small. They don't need distillation. But is the point that the women's mix is bigger? The mi- women's mix is bigger. Now I'm feeling bad that I'm Look, I, off, I, enjoy the, I enjoy the term, but I think it can be better deployed. Okay. Yeah, me too. Okay. With my definition. Well, Agreed. So I think Jennifer Brady's in the little mix. Based on your new definition. New definition okay. of the little uh, mix. She's definitely not a breakaway group within the mix. No. She's uh, mix central. I think she's in the... Mix, the main mix, the original mix. Correct. Based on the wow. level she produced in that US Open semi final, that is Grand Slam worthy winning tennis, I think. Thank you, Matt. I would still be surprised if she won this title. So she's in the little mix for me. I agree with you, David, about the final, but I would be surprised if she won the title. She plays Kaya Yuvan now for a place in the fourth round. And then it would be the Vekic or Kanepi. So look, she's she's in the good spot in the draw. Yuvan, incidentally, she uh, defeated Maya Sharif in two hours thirty nine minutes, despite uh, throwing up twice on court. Uh, Sharif was also struggling physically in that match. It was a bit of a limp towards the finish line. I didn't see any, any of it, but I've seen reports of all the all the drama. So so quite the effort from Yuvan, who is 20 years old, I think, Slovenian. Big result for her. Um, and just to mention that Sharif is the first Egyptian woman to win a Grand Slam match, which is what she did in the opening round. Coco Goff, David, did not beat Alina Svitolina. Good match, though. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, my, my run at an end, my three-day winning streak on the predictions and newsletter, which you can sign up to. Um, and yes, I thought Coco Goff might just get the better of her. Um, and I think I was when we when we lined up all the points that were available for the various choices, I was taken in, seduced by the twenty-six points on offer. Mm. And mm. I did think she, I did think she had more or less a fifty-fifty chance, maybe slightly against, but. Svitolina was good. She and she doesn't lose these early round matches, does she? That's that's a, a real feature of her Grand Slam play. It's the it's the other end that she struggles with, the, the getting through the last stages. Yeah, fifteen of the last sixteen slams, she's at least reached the third round. So what was I doing? <laughs> I thought she was excellent, Svitolina. Mm. I, I I loved watching both of them compete. They're fantastic competitors, and every time Goff threatened to get a break, Svitolina came up with a winner and it was an incredibly polished and complete performance and I was I was really impressed. It was, it was watertight, wasn't it? She just didn't give anything, mm. Svitolina, which is, that's her MO, isn't it, at her best? Yeah, she needs to be um, doing that. Yeah, so she was very good. She played Yulia Putin-Saver 
Oh, next. I want to watch that. Yep. Well, I think you can, David. I think, <laughs> Excellent. I think that's an option for you. Cool. Um, and Heather Watson went down fighting to Annette Contivate, um, nip and tuck until two all in the third, that one. And then, as as quoted on our Twitter, it was all Contivate from that point on. But an impressive performance from Heather Watson and uh, lots of positives for her. Um, I think that is the women's taken care of. Moving on to the men's. You're getting closer, Catherine. Look at your face. <laughs> I'm getting closer. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Stefanos pass defeated Tanasi Kokinakis. Five sets, four hours, 32 minutes. Um... Kokonakis said he enjoyed every minute of it besides the result. And I didn't mind the result. I was happy with either of them winning, frankly. But I did enjoy every minute of it. I certainly enjoyed every minute of seeing Tanasi Kokonakis play tennis like that and get to the mm. end of a match as long as that and be in one piece. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pleased to hear you take the glasses half full 
approach to that because that's what I want to take as well. And yet I've still got in the back of my mind this bittersweet feeling of what we've lost for five years, what he's lost. Is, is my glass less full, uh, fuller than David Law's? <laughs> On this, with him, yeah, I think so. I think so. And look, I really hope this is the start of something. But when you watch how good he is, there's there's so much to his game. He's got weapons on both sides. I mean, I sort of watched elements of it and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm sure I saw somebody else earlier in the tournament play a bit like this and it was Yannick Sinner. You know, it could hurt you on forehand and backhand and just rock solid on the baseline, great mover. Uh, and of course, you know, Kakanakis was a teenager when he came along and made his statement. But, well, he looked, he definitely looked. I mean, he went toe-to-toe with Tsitsipas for, what, four hours plus today. That's a very, very good sign that his constitution is strong at the moment. He just needs to be durable week after week. That's the, that's the issue. But he is only 24, so mm. fingers crossed. Amazing. Lo- that he's lovely only... lad, isn't he? Lovely bloke, So nice. Seems. Amazing that he's only 24 and... You know, he does he doesn't look old, he looks twenty-four or whatever, but I'm used to him looking like a a teenager. And usually with tennis players, same with sort of TV and movie stars, you see them age gradually before your eyes. They don't just disappear and then suddenly come back looking several years older. So I, w- I was really struck by how old he looked. Mm. Um and then that felt a bit sad in itself. Um and there were these quotes from from after his first round win about his lack of clothing sponsorship, his kit was $5 from Kmart or whatever. And he was like, "Thing," he said, things aren't how they used to be. No. You know, when he had the, yeah, he, he definitely had either a Nike or a, an Adidas. Nike. He had rem- the fluorescent thing. The flu- I remember watching him be Ernest Gulbis on, on court number three. Um, I think that was the first night of the 2017 Australian Open, actually. Um, poss- yeah, I think it. I think it was, and it was sixteen or seventeen. I can't remember exactly which year, but yeah, around there. Um, and it was electric, and he was wearing that fluoro, and the crowd were with him, and it it was spine tingling, and we've barely seen him since then. Mm. Um, so yeah, he he was only half of the story though, um, because Stefanos sit to pass. Probably shouldn't have been in a fifth set with Tanasi Kokonakis. There were positives for him. He didn't didn't lose his serve for the whole match, didn't have his serve broken. The two sets he lost were both on tie breaks. Um, was he flat, though? Was he flat for that match? I think he didn't put Kokonakis away when he had the opportunity to, and he, he let Kokonakis back in. I thought his... In that fifth set, I certainly wouldn't describe him as flat. There mm. was real fire. The the fourth set though was strange. The fourth set was strange. He he had all the momentum. He'd really improved from a shaky start where he was making a lot of errors. He tightened up his forehand and he was really hitting it well. And it just felt like that was the moment he needed to accelerate. And he actually did the opposite and did get passive and was a bit flat in that fourth set that then turned it into a very, very problematic match for him, which he could have lost. And in the end, it's it's one that um, he'll be absolutely delighted to have got through. And yet he didn't seem that delighted. No. Um, which is sad. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were sort of two interpretations of his body language afterwards. I think 
a legitimate interpretation is he was knackered. It's the longest match he's ever played, emotionally and physically is quite it? draining. Mm. Mm. Um, but then I was also left with this lingering feeling that there was probably some residue from what happened to him in that on-court interview in the after the first round where mm. he was a, he, he, it felt to me like he was a little bit afraid of what to say. I think so. I mean, the first thing you said was, I don't have much to say. I mean, you saw what happened last time. Mm. Mm. Um, that spark that you usually get, that yeah. glint in his eye wasn't, wasn't there in either his mm. on-court interview or his press conference. I mean, usually he just meanders off because he's not worried about. He doesn't. There's nothing mm. to worry about. And why? Why wouldn't it be okay? Um, but he, he got laughed at when he did it last time. So he's he's thinking about it. I'm sure now. Yeah, and I don't think he knows how to sort of apply a selective filter. So he had to just apply a blanket sort mm. of don't say anything type filter, which is such a shame. Um, one thing that did slip through the filter in the press conference afterwards was him saying. The Rod Laver Arena is one of the slowest courts out there. Which is totally opposite what everybody <laughs> Which else is said. in direct contradiction to literally everything else being said about the speed of the Rod Laver Arena. Um, we're not there. We haven't played tennis on it. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it, looks, it looks quite fast to me. His timing was all over the place today. Yeah. I thought I watched yeah. the, that match from the start. And I mean... Tanasi Kakanak has played well, put him under pressure. He was shanking the ball all mm. over the place. The, the, it was interesting watching him work it out and actually still winning. But And actually the, I felt the way he worked it out was by going to the net. He, he covers the net so well. He's so athletic at the net, but he also seems to just read where to go quite naturally. There's a, there's a proper volleyer in there, I think, in terms of – coverage of net uh, i mean I'm, other people would be able to tell me about the technicalities of the actual volleys better than i can but he just seems to always be there so you know maybe that's something he'll employ more as time goes on mm. uh tonight is just final word on him he drank pickle juice at the changeover before the fifth set and i would like to say up yours to all the people that are in my life that have told me i'm the only person on the planet that eats that drinks pickle juice is it as horrible as his face made it look? <laughs> no, it's absolutely lovely. But I, I have a bit of a vinegar thing. I mean, the look on his face, he looked like... He, there was one moment where he gargled a bit and he just he looked like he was wanted to throw up. And then he said something to the umpire like, do you want to have this? <laughs> yeah, and then he started eating something that, that looked a bit like cake. Yeah, well, he got so... a pack of biscuits out. Yeah, Prop, like, not, I would advise not sort of, it, it, when, you're not drinking, ones. when you're drinking sort of vinegar products, it's important. It's important to be selective about what else you're consuming. Like you've got a pack of donuts or something. Yeah. With it's all very on. weird. Anyway, I can hold it in no longer. I can deny the listeners no longer. Fabio Fanini beat countryman Salvatore Caruso uh, in five sets, uh, culminating in a 20-minute long match tiebreak. Um, but that was not the story, folks, because after the match... Uh, they had a massive row in Italian and they had to be physically separated. And then... <laughs> the smile on your face. And then Fabio Fanini had to do an on-court interview in which he wasn't even asked about the um, massive bust-up he'd just happened, uh, that he'd just had in front, in front of, of everybody. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it was all very bizarre. Um <laughs> Thank you very much to Twitter for providing a translation 
of the entire exchange between Salvatore Caruso and Fabio Fanini. It was Enrico, I think, wasn't it? It was Enrico, yes. Enrico Riva Maria. So, um, <laughs> should I should I censor this, David, for language? I'm always conscious of your mum, but equally I don't want to take the sting out of what is something very stinging. Well, if, you, if you're going to censor this, how are we going to have, handle the Nadal Heckler? Okay. All right, so I'll just put a I'll just put a language warning on the second half of this podcast. Yeah, mum, closure and is. with apologies to David's mum, and and to people in countries who can't download podcasts with an explicit tag. Yes, <laughs> you really are missing out, but it's okay because you you can't hear you this. Know. So, um, right, Fabio Fanini starts it by saying, "You've been fucking lucky. You should apologise. I didn't disrespect you until now, Caruso. What are you talking about?" Vanini, you won four identical lucky points. Caruso, what are you talking about? Vanini, can't I say you've been lucky? Caruso, I didn't dare to say a single word in the whole match. Vanini, I said something because you called for it. Caruso, I didn't dare to say a single word in the whole match. Enough now. Vanini, can't I say you've been lucky? What's the problem? Caruso, you can do whatever you want. Vanini, so why are you breaking my balls now? I said you have been lucky. If I'm wrong saying it, I'm wrong. Don't attack me. Caruso, I didn't attack you. I'm telling you it's not the way to behave because I didn't tell you a single word. Let's say I didn't expect that from you. Vanini, what did you not expect? I told you you have been lucky. You didn't like it. What should I say? Caruso, it's not the way you do it. Vanini, why? What's the problem? <laughs> Which one of these two won again? I mean, why is Fanini attacking him? He's just blooming beating him. Fanini is a father of two. I mean, and he's, I mean, and his wife is the loveliest, loveliest person. Yeah, Flavia Panetta. I mean, and apparently, so is Fabio Fanini. Normally, he turns into this. Yeah, I mean, he starts a fight by shouting at the bloke that's just lost <laughs> <laughs> that you were lucky. And then the bloke sort of says, could you not get so aggro? That's a bit much. And he goes, and he sort of says, why are you getting all aggro at me? So, so, something it must is... have prompted this stuff. From what, I, from what I could gather, during the match, I think Fanini felt lucky stuff was happening and he, and he was chirping at him as they happened. I reckon that Caruso must have, must have had a go at him back to start that off. Must have done. He, he says, I didn't attack you. I'm telling you it's not the way to behave because I didn't tell you a single word. Let's say I didn't expect that from you. <laughs> so Caruso refutes that, David, <laughs> in the strongest possible terms. <laughs> this was the first ever all-Italian men's match at the Australian Open. Which is extraordinary because Italian men's tennis, well, women's tennis as well, but Italian men's tennis has a pretty illustrious history. Yeah. We've been missing out all these years. Yeah, yeah. so 100% of the Australian Open matches between Italians have ended in a sort of bar brawl. So more of these, please. I mean, the umpire did have to come between them yes. on the court, didn't he? And he was tiny. Um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, it was ludicrous, the childishness of it. Fanini picked a fight and then said, why are you fighting with me? <laughs> I mean, father of two. You, you, you see, in in World Wrestling Federation at that point, Andy Murray would walk over and just come shut up. <laughs> see, that's what would happen. <laughs> uh, Fanini now plays Alex de Menor, um, 
and he's going to love how the crowd uh, approach him in that match, isn't he? Um, I'm going to enjoy that very much. Dimonor beat Pablo Cuevas and signed the camera KT, um, presumably because we had exposed the blossoming romance between him and Katie Bolter in our previous podcast. So he decided to own it. <laughs> yeah. Publicly. Love watching Dimonor. Sure mm. I'm going to love watching Dimonor against Vanini. That's, that's oh, yeah. for sure. Uh, I... I've just thinking, you know, the, the World Wrestling Federation analogy. <laughs> actually, Murray would have come out of the tunnel with his own signature music, probably carrying a chair the way they do. Something oh. Italian. Oh my God! It'd be shut up your face. <laughs> What's the matter, you? Hey, come on! Yeah, that's, but that, that's no, so good. Murray would need his own music, Catherine, yeah. Not that. Yeah, his would be shut up your face. Would it? Yeah, because he told Fanini to shut up your face. <laughs> I've absolutely nailed it there, and this deserves a better reaction. A bit underwhelmed, personally. But okay, Fanini against Dumenor. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, right oh, then, is. Raphael Nadal. When's that going to be? Two days' time? Two days' oh, time. Mm. I'm watching And that. I reckon that will be on the John Kane arena. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Dumanor gave a really nice answer about how much how much it means to him to even be back at the Australian Open, having missed it last year. He said he couldn't watch it. He he, he flew home. And he didn't watch any of the tournament whatsoever. He just had massive massive FOMO. Oh, mm. Mm. and he's, he's not been back to Australia since. I don't think because he got he he was quarantined in in Spain over the summer and then sort of played the ATP tournaments in, in Europe and, and America. So he's just loving being back in Australia, I think. And he's playing really, really well. I, oh, I suspect he will take Fanini out. I love his bromance with Kyrgios, by the way. I think it's really nice. Mm. Yeah. Kyrgios also has a bromance with Kokonakis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you think Sitsipas felt about seeing Kyrgios in Kokonakis's box? Yeah. Yeah. I think he'd be all right with it. I don't, I don't, I don't think Sid Sipas worries. He's a sensitive I chap. I don't think Sid Sipas worries about stuff like that. I do. I do. Mm. They had a nickname, David. They were Stefanik. <laughs> Stefanik, the world's least successful doubles team. I'm not sure Sid Sipas has won a doubles match since he played with Kyrgios. <laughs> hasn't he, hasn't he lost only, like 16 in a row or something? Yeah. They not only had a nickname, they also had a little sort of caption of... The, the world's least successful, <laughs> that was the, like a, yeah. a little subtitle. Yeah. Rafael Nadal, David, he looked very comfortable against um, Michael Moe. It was kind of a dream match for him. Michael Moe, lovely ball striker, but just didn't have the weapons to hurt Nadal. You, you um, were saying on the radio he looked just completely like he'd never experienced a ball like that before. The spin mm. coming off Nadal's... Nadal's ball he just looked like oh my god what's this you know I've I've heard about it it, but experiencing it is where'd you put your feet in order to be ready for this ball because it's going it's going towards you and then suddenly it's off somewhere else um and I mean look Michael Moe is a hell of a physical specimen he looks like a real athlete you know um but he's down at 177 in the world for a reason he's never been higher than 96 now he's only 23 years of age but he plays mostly challenger events this this is good for him. He's got to the second round. He's done that a couple of times now. But it's a different game. It's a different sport when you get to play Nadal at a, at a Grand Slam tournament like this. Um, question for you both is, 
is we were talking about our out of 10 worry levels for Nadal, weren't we? Eight, nine, we were around there. I mean, what is it now? Because he did not look injured out there to me at all. Yeah, I mean, down from eight for sure. He was still not serving at his usual pace. He he was still about seven or eight miles down on his usual average. And he still said he's using that slightly different technique on the serve. I just find it very difficult to judge until he's properly tested. Yeah, let's not forget Australian Open two years ago when he looked in absolutely dream condition because, and I know this wasn't injury related, um, and then, you know, go, has to step up several levels to play Djokovic and it, you know, stepping up those levels, it turns out is just not there until the, until he's really tested. I'm not sure we'll, we'll know. But my, my concern level has gone down. He's still, he was, the first question in the press conference actually wasn't about the, uh, <laughs> the woman that heckled him, um, uh, inebriated on gin and probably also tequila. Uh, it was a, it was about his back and he said, no, it's still a problem. I'm still managing it every day. Look, N- Nadal does do that. And it's worth pointing out that he also seemed incredibly relaxed in in that press conference. He dealt with the questions about the heckler really well and amusingly. Um, he, he seemed surprised. He was asked, um, have you ever had someone give you the finger before? And his eyes sort of bugged out of his head and he turned to his side where presumably his, his manager, his agent was standing and, and, in, and in, in Spanish said, she was doing that at me. I thought she was just sort of doing that generally. Um, Should we rewind a bit to tell the story? Y- yeah, go on then. Because we're, we're in mid-commentary and um, suddenly there's a bit of a kerfuffle and he's looking up into the crowd and because there's a woman in the crowd who is shouting out to him. I mean, she says something that's a bit a bit out of order, to be honest, um, and also sweared, and the gist was, hurry up, when he was in the middle of a service motion, and then she called him the W word um, as well, apparently, and everybody stopped and people were turning around to her, and then Rafa looked up at her and he was, he was sort of smart, what, like, what's going on? Next thing you know, camera picks her out and she is holding the middle finger up at him right in the camera lens. <laughs> and I, mean, we, I assumed that he did see that at the time, but it turns out he didn't. Um, and then she eventually got escorted off the premises <laughs> of giving the middle finger to everybody in the stadium. <laughs> I mean, I really shouldn't be laughing at this behaviour, but it was very funny. (laughs) Yet another reminder that sport is better with crowds. (laughs) This is what we've been missing. (laughs) Dahl handled it all um, fantastically. He he did. He did. He handled it beautifully. Um, Yeah. Matt, 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 what about the Spanish flag woman? (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was my favourite part. <laughs> there was a woman with a Spanish flag, clearly a Nadal fan, sitting, I think, in the row behind middle finger woman. And there's a wonderful still of the woman with her middle finger up and the woman with the Spanish flag, who's wearing a mask, bear in mind. 
yet you could still see the look of absolute horror on her face. She's sort of pinned back in, in just in horror that someone is swearing at Nadal. And it's just, and her eyebrows are raised up sort of at the top of her head. It's just, it's a perfect, perfect reaction and a demonstration that the eyes are the most expressive part of the face. It was a real moment. Real epic scenes. Yeah, it was a very undramatic match. And it was like the universe throwing everyone a, a bone of <laughs> sort of something to talk about at the start of the third set. Uh, Nadal will now play Cameron Norrie, who did it the hard way uh, against Roman Sifuelin. Um uh, the 2015 Australian Open junior champion, uh, incidentally, Sifuelin, Um that was six years ago that he was a junior. I'd say the years have been hard to old Roman. <laughs> he's, 20, he's listed at 23. I mean, <laughs> no, he's not. He is. If, you, if somebody told you he was 33, <laughs> you wouldn't bat an eyelid, would you? You wouldn't. Someone told me he was 43, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. <laughs> I mean, the, the, funny, the funny thing is that we were talking about in our commentary about junior, if you put the junior role of honour up at, at Grand Slam tournaments and then and you'd see people like Roger Federer, Wimbledon champion of 1998, uh, Gail Monfils won three in a year, Stefan Edberg, all these sort of people. And then you'd see somebody like Christian Pless who was a world number one junior and everybody was talking about him and it, it, he never had a career. Um, and, and this guy was a Grand Slam junior champion and yet here he was, 183 in the world, um, playing in his first ever major tournament main draw uh, as a senior. And it's, it doesn't necessarily translate. We've said it many times before, another example. A good win for Cam Norrie, given how much we've discussed that he doesn't enjoy being the underdog. He had to play that across two different courts because uh, the match was rained off. Um, and so they had to go through a long period of waiting. It eventually got rescheduled on the the Yvonne Gulagong Arena because um, the night session matches there finished early, um, which was a great decision, um, enabling, to get that, enabling them to get that match finished. Um, and... It was really dicey there at the end of that fourth set. It looked very close to going to five. Um, and Cam Norrie eked it out, and that's a massive result for him. Can he challenge Rafael Nadal, an injured potentially or a compromised Rafael Nadal? He, he was asked He was asked in the press, he said, you've got Cam Norrie next. Um, you never played him before, but he's got nothing to lose. Um, do you think that will maybe help him? Um, and he, and he, he said it, it was. Do you think it'll help him? Do you think that makes him a more dangerous opponent? And Nadal paused at length and he goes, "That is a philosophy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really shut down. Nothing to lose, yeah. which I am fully on board with. There's always something mm. to lose. And he said he's yeah. got a match to lose, like me. Yep, it was great. Yeah, I loved that. And, <laughs> so and to answer your question, I really don't think Cameron Norrie can trouble Nadal. No. Can I say that I think Norrie will put up a good show? Oh, he'll give the best of himself. I'm Where, whereas yes. sure today I think he he was he was racked with nerves mm. because he, mm. he's supposed to win today. He's playing a guy ranked 120 places below him and he would have known that Nadal is likely the opponent. What an opportunity for a stage. And Cam Norrie loves a crowd, loves a stage. 
Um, and the first, when he was t- said, you're through, you're playing the down, and he goes, oh, sweet. <laughs> you know, and, and he goes, a chance to show what I can do. You know, and, and I love that about him. He's just going to go out there and he's going to throw himself to the dogs to try and win as many points as he can. Mm. I, I just think that game-wise, it's just, it's just two players in completely different weight categories. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so as well. Uh, Borna Chorich is out, David. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I feel bad that me and Borna, this is, this you should feel become. bad, David. I do <laughs> feel bad. He's a good lad. He is. But, um, yeah. Yes, Borna Chorich lost to Mackenzie McDonald. Uh, so McDonald will now play Lloyd Harris oh, uh, wow. in the third, f- round. There's a, third round. What an and, interesting match that is. That I mean, those are two players that I sort of think of them almost interchangeably as <laughs> opponents for top players in first <laughs> yes. rounds, you know? Yes, uh, so one of them will have the chance to reach the fourth round, which is, you know, pretty massive. Um, there is, oh, I've just spotted that Fanini and Berrettini are in the same sort of bit of the draw. So there could be another holiday. <laughs> <Can> you imagine <laughs> that? Oh, my gosh. Um, yes, what else have we got? There's a lot of Russians in this section as well. Hatchinov won. Overnight, he beat Ricardis Barankis of... Oh, God, no fame. Um, so Hatchinov now plays Berrettini. By the way, uh, I've, 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 had a, I've had a tweet um, putting forward, Photography Raptor says, I think the best beard case is not closed just yet. Have you seen Hatchinov? Yes, fair it's point. quite the beard. Yes, yep, fair point. Um, I still maintain that it's there aren't enough entrants for it to be a race. But well, anyway. You need to look around more. Uh, Rublev and Medvedev remain on a quarterfinal collision course. Andre Rublev in the third round will place Feliciano Lopez, who at 117 years old came back from two sets to love down last night to win a tennis match. And that is, that is pretty amazing. He's not, he's 39 um, and I'm laboring the point, but you get the idea against the youngster Lorenzo Sanego. It's blooming amazing. He's the oldest player to come back from two sets to love down since Ken Rosewall in 1974. <laughs> oh, what a stat. That's mu- not even Matt's stat. No, I must, and I must say that is courtesy of the ATP. They, they put that one out. That's a stunner. Brilliant, yeah. isn't a it? stat. Yeah. That's a corker, Matt. Well done, Feliciano Lopez. Yeah. Uh, just time to whiz you through tomorrow's order of play. And uh, there's a point of interest on this. Arena Sabalenka takes on Anne Lee. Uh, uh, Anna Potapova against, or Anastasia Potapova against Serena Williams. Adrian Manorino against Alexander Zverev. The night session, Kudamatova against Halep and Djokovic against Fritz. The Yvon Gulagong arena is Vondrosheva against Kastea, Muguruza against Zarina Diaz, Dimitrov against Karenia Buster. Uh, and then the night session is Shapovalov against Auger Aliasim, Corker, and then Shvontek against Ferro. Not sure about that Shvontek Ferro being on after Shapovalov and Auger Aliasim, but there we go. Uh, and then on the John Kane arena is where you will find Shea against Irani. Followed by Jabur against Osaka. Yes, please. Then it's Karatsev against Schwartzman. And then it's Team against Kyrgios. So that is a heck of a ticket tomorrow, the John Kane Arena. 
Um, yeah, I'm just going to close my eyes and pretend I'm there. We have been sent a few videos from people that have been lucky enough to go to Melbourne Park over the last few days, including one from somebody that was in the crowd for the um, Kyrgios Umber match. And yeah, they, they gave me all the feels. So that is going to be a treat tomorrow. Uh, our mascots, we have Crumble. Who's our mascot for the full fortnight? Let's get hey, ready Crumble. for Crumble. I'm very much ready for Crumble, always. And we have Crumble content in the newsletter today. Oh, do we? We do. Yes, please. Oh, excellent. Uh, we have Rogue, who is David's mascot. We Rock have Rogue. Zeus, who is mine. I'm going to get a win tomorrow in the prediction, Zeus. And we have Scouse or Mousel, that's David, uh, that's Matt's rather. And we have Billie Jean King, that is Billie Jean's. Billie Jean did some um, not... Not kosher stuff with my podcasting equipment overnight. <laughs> you might even call it sabotage. Yeah, we, we so will post the picture. She is very lucky to be bearing the name of, of someone so great. Um, and we have shout outs, Matt. Who are they for? For Grace Chu. Oh, hello, Grace. Hi, Grace. It is uh, one of my oldest friend's birthdays today and she is called Grace. Oh, perfect. She was That's born lovely. the day after me. Ah, wow. Did she, did we she get any We went to primary cakes? school together. Uh, yes. Your cakes looked amazing yesterday. I'm sorry. Can confirm they were amazing. Ate, ate cake for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want a cake. Come on, Matt. Paula Rory. Oh, well, my godson's called Rory and there are other people called Paula. <laughs> Hi, Paula. Thanks ever so much for your support. Paula Abdul. Yeah. Let's leave it there. <laughs> Great name. And Stacy, backer number two hundred and twenty-seven. Stacy, Stacy number two two seven. Yeah, she's that good and wow. that confident she's and like that Prince. big a deal. Yeah, yeah. J- or just the one name. Just the one name. Stacy, people... you're a rock star. Thank you very when, much. When Stacy's coming down the road, people know it is. <laughs> That's all there is to it. I think Stacy's a girl's name, David. That's what I said, isn't it? I thought you said he. No. She. Well, it could be. Anyway, whoever you are, thank you. Uh, we've been the Tennis Podcast. Thank you very much for making this possible, uh, for enabling us with your backing in the Kickstarter to do everything that we're doing at this tournament. Um, it it really feels like we've got more going on than ever before, even though none of us are there, which is um, a completely amazing thing. Thank you to Hannah and Andrew that are just doing a brilliant job on our Twitter feed um, and if you if you kind of feel like you'd like to be watching with with company watching the tennis with some company I can highly re- recommend um, getting our Twitter feed up because that's kind of what it feels like uh, the newsletter if you're not subscribed you should be it is amazing uh, and there will be crumble content as well as Matt's stat and some dodgy predictions so Get on to all of that, tell your friends, leave us an iTunes review and listen to us tomorrow when we'll be back with another tennis podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 